Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show underway. Welcome to the mashup that is. Brewers uh, fall last night, back at it again today, hopefully getting the uh, the rubber match of this series, taking two out of three from the uh, Cubs. They split with the Pirates. Pirates then come into town over the weekend. Brewers trying to get at least seven wins. If they end up winning uh, and beating the Cubs today and then can sweep the Pirates, seven out of ten, not a bad way to go against sub-500 teams, really bad teams for lack of a better term. But uh, six and four, five and five, God forbid you come in sub-500 against these teams, uh, you would consider this opportunity lost. In the meantime, the Pac-12 looks to be getting rated as the uh, the Big 12, talking to teams out of the Pac-12 right now. Pac-12 trying just to hang on to have at least a conference in their arms, in their grasp, by the time the football season rolls around as the pilfering continues. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670, if you want to hit us up. Steve says if the Badgers can't win a Big Ten uh, regular basis without extra teams, I can't see them being a powerhouse going forward. Who has been the stumbling block, not just for the Badgers, but for everybody in the Big Ten, Steve? I mean, when you think about it, for the most part, it's been Ohio State. The Badgers have been a West winner. They have made it to the Big Ten championship game more often than not. It's just been the stumbling block of being Ohio State. I mean, that's the carrot that everybody's chasing, let's be honest. Last year, we all thought that last year was a year that Ohio State could be had, and sure enough, they were. You could see some of the chinks in the armor. After losing Justin Fields, Their quarterback play was not nearly as good as what they thought it was going to be. They lost some of the offensive line. Their wide-out depth was good, but their running backs weren't great. Uh, Defensively speaking, their corners left a little bit to be desired. So you knew last year was, and by the way, they were going into the big house. So, And that was Harbaugh's creme de la creme right there you because Harbaugh's guys they were kind of put up or shut up and you knew they were going to come out and be ready to go as opposed to Ryan Day's group that were just trying to kind of get by until they reloaded this coming season and sure enough all of that ended up happening now whether or not Ohio State remains on top we'll have to wait and see but Ohio State very very quickly put together their NIL deal and uh, their websites and their student advisors and such working on that kind of stuff. And and I know Ryan Day went and spoke to business owners about putting it together and and what have you. So they were very, very big in being out in front of this whole thing to say, hey, if money's going to become involved, we got to not only be on it, but we got to have more money, more capability, more support than anybody. And they went out and, and did it right away where others took a little time to jump into that pond. So they got a kind of a head start on it, we'll say. But I would not say that that the Badgers are not capable of winning the Big Ten. When you say on a regular basis, they I mean, let's be honest. The top two teams in the Big Ten, Ben, when it comes to football, have been what? Ohio State and Wisconsin, right? Eh, I would even say Ohio State and Michigan. 
Like, yeah, Wisconsin's played in Big Ten title games, but, I mean, still, Michigan's probably been the more relevant team overall. But consistency-wise has been Wisconsin. You throw out the Gary Anderson years, but for the most part, it's been Wisconsin. Over yeah. the last couple of decades? Uh, over the last couple of decades, I, I would say since like 2011 or 2012 when they started divisions, I think there's an argument for Wisconsin and for Michigan. Michigan's peak years have undoubtedly been better than Wisconsin's, but their valleys have also been a little bit worse. Yet they kind of have always run into Ohio State. That's why they couldn't win right. the East until last year. You know, like Wisconsin. Ohio has- State has undeniably dominated the landscape of Big Ten football. There's no doubt about that. Number two, you could say, has been Wisconsin and or Michigan. But the the Badgers are right there. To say that they're not consistently successful would be a misnomer. Oh, they right? are. I agree. I think one problem right now is where where they're trending over the last couple of years is not the right direction. Like, if you go back to after 2019 when they had played mm-hmm. in three or four Big Ten t- championships or right. literally points away from winning one, I think the attitude's different than 2020 was rough and then last year, obviously, was also really rough. So until they get back there and, and compete with Ohio State on a big stage, it doesn't look like they're trending back towards the top of the conference. If I had to pick the top four teams going into this season – in the Big Ten, we'd start with Ohio State, go with Michigan, and then who? Ooh, uh, I put Wisconsin third. Penn could State. you go there with the uncertainty of Graham Mertz? Definitely. I mean, their defense okay. could again be the best in the country. I would probably go Penn State after them, uh, Michigan State after Penn State, and then you get to some smattering of Minnesota, Iowa, Purdue, Iowa. Nebraska. Hmm. That's a with the uncertainty of quarterback play. If you said, because we already talked about this, I said uh, the Badgers nine to ten wins this season. I just my opinion. Who is going to be better than that? I, You know, you figure Ohio State would be right there. Michigan probably be right there. Does Iowa get better than that? Does Minnesota? Does Nebraska? I, I You know, I, and this one's from Brittany who says, what about the, the Cornhuskers? Look, Brittany, I, I don't know if you're a Cornhusker fan or what, but the Corn until they actually do something that makes you go, okay, that's what we've been waiting for. I can't put any stock in Nebraska. And, and I just can't. They have been claiming how great they are and that they're going to dominate the Big Ten ever since they came into it. And ever since they came into it, they have sucked swamp water. They've been bad. So I can't I can't go there. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um. Now, now, what did you? What did you give me here, Ben? 
So there's a great Big Ten West preview that Bill Connolly of ESPN posted today, okay. a great college football writer. And I think right. he perfectly encaptured what you were trying to say there is they have statistically you look at everything they've done, Nebraska that is, and you would think that they have been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. But they have obviously grossly underachieved every single season. At some point, it's not just randomness, it's you, as in Scott Frost. Like right. at some point it's just you are unable to coach a winning football team. Right. Yeah, so, no, Scott that that has been just, it's it's very it, that's been a major disappointment not necessarily for me but for for people that believe in Nebraska it's just it you talk about a disappointment that they've had some talent but they just have never been able to put it all together and eventually you have to look at the the, the head coach and the, and the system and staff and such and say you're not getting it done I I would I would I would go along with that Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen six. Every year, you hear on say College Game Day, you know, and you go through the previews and you listen to Kirk Herbstreit and he talks about Nebraska and this is this quarterback player, this wide receiver, this lineman, and this and that. And you think about, okay, they've got talent. They've got they've got some guys that really turn some heads, and but yet they just they can't get out of their own damn way. Can't do it. Um. Oh my goodness, uh, Fred says. Oh my God, what is Mister Conference of Champions Bill Walton going to do if the Pac-12 ends? Oh, he will have some philosophical suicide. <laughs> the kaleidoscope of teams and the spectrum of loss will then begin to permeate my soul, and there will be an emptiness from within. I mean, I can just hear Bill Walton going on and on right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. The verbal suicide of one Bill Walton will come to pass. <laughs> uh, 877-867-1670. Phone lines are wide open. Uh, I, look, you know, and, and Tay says, uh, Wisconsin's place in the Big Ten is solidified. However, they're always going to be that second-tier team. I Okay, you may be right. You may be right, but you can't be first tier until you become first tier. Right? You're I, I the same way I think about Nebraska in all the pomp and circumstance when Nebraska came into the Big Ten and they thought they were going to dominate and they've got these national titles behind them and this and that. It was it was oh okay, show us what you got, right? This whole thing about Wisconsin. And being the best in the West and getting to where they want to be and, you know, deserving respect. Look, you're not going to get it. You're not a top-tier program. You're not number one. You haven't been in a long, long time. And until you do it and you do it again and again and again, you're not going to get that same level of respect. So let's take that out of the mix for a minute. But I will say this. For those that want to knock the program, you will be number one when you're number one. Do they have that? Does Wisconsin have that potential? Sure, they do. Do they have the same stockpile, the dump truck of five star recruits that are coming into the system that, say, uh, Ohio State does, that Harbaugh gets over at Michigan, that even they get at Penn State, that they get at Alabama? No, of course not. But you got to start somewhere. 
You got you got to suddenly be. I mean, they weren't getting all of that at Alabama until Saban got there and started winning, right? They weren't getting that at Clemson on a consistent basis for for a long time, and then you start winning, Georgia. Then you start winning. Georgia was down for a while. You got to start winning to be winning. So, can they get that under Paul? That's your question. Is will they take that next step? Will they get to that next level under Paul Christ? Will he push all the right buttons? Now, I think bringing in Ingram, and I think keeping uh, Leonard, and I think Leonard has done a fantastic job defensively, I think you've got some pieces in place. I think now it's about closing out the recruiting and putting those pieces together and, and generating a legit offense. Because defensively, you've been one of the best in the country for years. For years. So, no, okay, let's take that whole, well, we deserve our respect and all that kind of stuff out of that mix, okay? Because at this point, I look at it as you're the Cleveland Indians of Major League, and then you need somebody to stand up and say, well, let's go win the whole effing thing. And everybody else has to go right on because we got no respect. You don't deserve it. You haven't won anything. That's fine, though. That's fine. Who cares? Once you win it, you've won it. And you get it. It begins to come in your direction. And then it moves on from there. That, it, but but I, it doesn't matter. Terrible Terry says uh, Wisconsin is never going to get those five stars. But see, Terrible Terry, that's my point. Okay, you can look down on that program and say you're never going to get them until you get them. And then when you start to get them and you start to win and you begin to put maybe top four finishes, national title hopes, all that kind of stuff in the forefront because that's the expectation, that's when those recruits will start to come here. You can't put the cart before the horse. You just got to go get them. You got to go kick somebody's ass. And it's Ohio State or Michigan, one of the two or both. You got to have one of those years. And then you got to back it up with a year after that that says, no, we're here to stay. We're not a one-hit wonder. We're here to stay. So I'm not down on the program, and I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying don't tell me about respect until you get it, and once you got it, hang on to it. Keep backing it up. It's hard to do in college sports because you got a guy for two, three, four years. But I think the whole perspective, and Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, the perspective of Badger fan is we're going to get eight and nine wins, we're going to be okay, we'll get beat by Ohio State, we'll get a bowl game, right? Yeah, with the ceiling built in that if they once beat Ohio State, then there you are, back atop the Big Ten. There you go. But okay. I would I, I would push back a little bit on one thing. I don't think, no matter how much success they have, they'll suddenly turn into one of those powerhouses recruiting because the geography just isn't there. They're at an inherent disadvantage. Like Alabama, teams down there, they can get in a car and drive an hour Right. and put together a five-star laden class. Wisconsin can't do that. So I, I think they're severely limited in that respect. I don't know how much winning can change that. Well, as we all know, we've seen the decrease and then the re-increase of support for recruiting. So we've seen that. You've seen an exodus. Now you're seeing the emphasis being put back on recruiting and getting back out on that trail and doing that. So hopefully that begins to pay off. But – I, I think it's not that you're going to see this influx of five-star recruits suddenly begin to happen and all of a sudden it's going to be this impotence on we are we are playoffs or bust every year. I, I'm not saying that, 
But what I'm saying is, is that this level of respect and, and notoriety then goes up, but you can't, you don't deserve it until you deserve it. So let's forget about it for now. Let's just talk about this team getting better and get and, and getting wins and doing it under Paul Crisp. Now I'm not sitting here saying in any by any stretch of the imagination, Paul Crisp can't get it done because some of you feel he can, some of you feel he can't. But to me, you've got now a window of opportunity. I think it was a good move bringing in Ingram. I love the fact that Leonard is still here and, and sitting there waiting in the wings. I, I I love all the aspects of this team. You got to hope that Graham Mertz takes that step forward and you see that development. Otherwise, if if he has another season like he had last year, you got to look at Graham Mertz as just he was the five star failure. Because if he doesn't give you that what you want this year, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it just it, it is what it is. Then it's sitting there staring in the face and you can't look past it anymore. Yeah, go ahead. If you want to take it full circle, what can help them right now, given their situation, is more exposure. Like if they go beat USC at night mm-hmm. on a national stage now that yep. they're in the Big Ten, that's going to help. So when you talk about what this move could be and the Big Ten really stepping to the top of college football, it's you're going to get more big games every year, which means there's that chance to get more big wins and more exposure. And yep. not only is that entertaining from a fan's perspective, but if they play their cards right, it could really help them. And from that bigger market, going back to what our, our uh, tweeter had to say a little bit earlier, saying that uh, they are what they are, it's not going to help Wisconsin. I think you're wrong. It can help Wisconsin. It can also be a negative. You can go out and get beat by those teams on a consistent basis and never get past that and all of a sudden be looked at as, why would I want to go there? So you got when those teams come in and those markets come in, you got to win. you got to produce. And, and you got to do it in a grandeur fashion. So um, I think it can benefit the Wisconsin Badgers in a big way. It can hurt you in a big way, too, uh, if, you, if you're not capable uh, to, of being up to the task. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. We'll be back right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad to have you back. Hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Bill Michaels. Ben Kenny producing the program. Glad you're with us today. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Um, when you think about uh, the Packers outside linebacker Rashawn Gary, what do you say about Rashawn Gary? Um, he's had some really good seasons. He's been one of the most productive and efficient edge rushers in, rushers in football. Although he's still not looked at as a top player at the edge rushing position coming into this season. In a poll of over 50 NFL executives, coaches, and players conducted by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, Gary didn't make it into the top 10 or even the honorable mention section among the league's edge rushers. He was listed among those, quote, also receiving votes. One poll doesn't necessarily provide a perfectly accurate representation of the league's viewpoint on where a player stands among its peers. But this one does show that Gary, who led the Packers in sacks with nine and a half and quarterback hits in 28, 
back in last uh, during last season in 2021, isn't yet viewed as a solidified star in the NFL after just one terrific season. Uh, Gary, hungrier, he says, than ever before. Coming out of the uh, the PackersWire.com. But uh, Gary said, if anything, it's made me hungry. According to Mike Spofford of Packers.com, it made me go back, watch films, see what I put on tape, see areas of my pass rush, my run defense, and things that I can improve on. Another step forward from Gary and everybody else in the league would consider him to be one of the game's best if he continues to progress. He was the 12th overall pick in 2019. I had stated at the time that I didn't think it was a good pick. I had stated at the time that this is not Reggie White walking through the door, that he was not a big-time pass rusher. So to get nine and a half sacks this year, that's impressive. He has really emerged, which also goes to show you and me that you cannot make the overwhelming assumptions on draft day about a particular player until you get a chance to actually see them. Now, I did see... Uh, flashes early on. Rashawn Gary has always had strong upper body. He has always been a bull in a china shop type of rusher. He can knock your ass over. And we've seen that. He does not have that big hammer underneath move. He does not have that big swat over the top move. He doesn't have that. He's never perfected that. Doesn't mean he can't. Just means he's never really had that. What he's had is, I will beat you up if you're not physically more dominating than I am. That he's always had, and that he's accentuated. So, for what I thought he would be to what he is, he's certainly proven me wrong. And I think a lot of others as well. But just speaking on my behalf, I he's proven me wrong. He's been a terrific surprise. But for him not to be considered one of the top in the NFL – I understand it to a certain extent. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it to a certain extent. But I'm glad what his statement is, is that it's made him hungrier. Absolutely. Because I think he has, if he takes yet another step forward this season, and I'm not just talking statistically. I'm talking disruptive and better against the run. Then I think he has become a truly all-around player. And he, he will have... Far, far, far exceeded expectation after he got that full-time playing experience because uh, Zadarius Smith was down last year. It was worth the wait. According to Pro Football Focus, he finished second among NFL edge rushers in pressures with 81, second at win rate, and that goes back to that fact that he is just so damn strong. Eighth in pass rush grade at 88.9, and third in pass rush productivity. Now, the key for him would be maintaining that production and the disruption capability, now that everybody in the NFL is aware of his capabilities as a rusher, and he's got to evolve. He's got to then earn that move, that's that, that power under move or that hammer over the top swat and swim, whatever, whatever he ends up getting, that's it. So because other teams are going to try to find his faults and, and accentuate that, right? That's what you do. But he considers every season a chance to be an ascending player, young player, to prove his status among his peers in the NFL. But this time next year, 
he could easily find himself cemented as one of the top edge rushers and in line for maybe a massive new contract extension, don't forget, because that's coming up as well. So let's be honest. And that's ultimately the goal. You want to win a championship. You want to be considered by your peers as one of the best, no doubt. But for, for Rashawn Gary, here comes the money train. So in a year in which he needs it, you, one, knock on wood, you don't end up with an injury, right? Two, and I think probably more importantly, you ascend. You, you, does he, do you want nine and a half sacks again this year? Yes. But you want to continue to be disruptive, and you want to be even better against the run he's not this is not the 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 same speed coming off the edge as say clay matthews clay matthews was so good because he could drag down ball carriers and quarterbacks from behind Rashawn gary's not that same speed guy but when it comes to his side of the field if he can shed and tackle and and really get even better at that then i think not only if he can keep the numbers that he had from last year but be able to shed and tackle and up his run defense, I think then he begins to really ascend. Because then he will have backed it up, uh, the numbers that he put together last year, and then he even got better when it comes to being a run stuffer. And that then becomes an all-around player. That then earns him the cash along with it. What did you think about Rashawn Gary when he came out, when he was drafted, Ben? Well, I knew him more from the perspective of number one recruit in the country going to Michigan. And mm-hmm. yeah, he was productive, but he wasn't that crazy, like I, I don't know the best example, but that crazy edge rusher, like Will Anderson at Alabama right now, right. that just tore up college football. He wasn't that, but you saw the potential. So coming out, I thought the draft pick was mostly based on the massive potential there. So it would have made sense if it didn't pan out right away. And I guess we've seen that. I mean, yep. I don't know if it's the best analogy, but he's like aging like a mildly fine wine. Where in the mm-hmm. beginning, you saw some things, but then now, especially with Zadarius Smith gone, I mean, now it's pretty much it's his pass rush. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Now you pack that with this Packers defensive line and how much better he can get. Kenny Clark, he's got what we believe to be legitimate help up front. I think we can all agree upon that. uh, Devontae Wyatt, along with the Eagles' first-round selection of Jordan Davis, helped to solidify Georgia's defensive line, and it was revered in college football. So bringing in Devontae Wyatt, huge. The Packers have spent the first-round draft pick on defensive linemen, not including Rashawn Gary, who was technically a D-end out of Michigan before he switched to the outside linebacker position, since Ted Thompson knocked it out of the park getting Kenny Clark. So you've got... Jerron Reed, who they picked up in the offseason, the veteran defensive tackle. Uh, he looks to shore up a defensive line unit that seems to have as much talent as they've, as they've had in years. And this defense is new potential overall. Um, they The one thing that's been missing, I think, for this Packers defense over the last few years, it's gotten steadily better. But the one thing that is, is missing consistently, I think, has been the ability to create turnovers. And I think this defense has been looking for that for like a decade. For like a decade. Go back to when Charles Woodson and company were roaming the secondary. Whether it was coming off the edge, creating fumbles by blindside hits to quarterbacks, or it was getting picks, punching the ball out via fumbles. I think this defense has been searching for a top 10 finish in turnovers uh, for quite some time. 
That's the only thing missing. I think that now they've got depth up front. They've got legit linebackers. Their secondary uh, is not extensively deep, but deep enough. And I think that they're they're they have that ability to be a top five defense. I don't I don't deny that. But I think I I I think the one thing missing is probably the ability to create consistently turnovers give the, and they're going to need that because let's just say for blanks and giggles that the offense without Devonte is nowhere nearly as good okay let's just say that all the predictions all those gloom and doom naysayers on the outside looking in saying it's Aaron Rodgers and no other ability to move the football let's say part of that is true that the productivity just descends okay you're going to need more opportunities to move the football which means you're going to need a defense that's going to give the ball back to you often enough for you to win games. 877-867-1670. I don't necessarily believe that, but if this defense can create turnovers, uh, it, it really does change things in many, many ways. Many, many ways. Um, this one is from uh, AJ who says, I think this defense is the best they've had since 2010, and it may even be better. The guys up front are certainly stronger. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Remember that year you had Cullen Jenkins, B.J. Raji, C.J. Wilson, Howard Green, Ryan Pickett. You had beef. You had wherewithal up front. You had quickness up front. You had domination up front. The linebacking core was probably not as good. Even though you had the outside rusher, you had A.J. Hawk on the inside, you had the outside rusher and Clay Matthews. I don't know if that... But the depth of that, I don't. I, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't know if I'm going to put up because in the secondary, your shutdown corner would be Jair. Compare Jair to Charles. Charles was an interception machine. Charles got picks. He was the defensive player of the year. I don't know if if, if Alexander is going to be that because Alexander's forte is not picking guys off, picking off quarterbacks. It's basically defending passes he creates a lot of incompletions but he's not a guy with the best hands he doesn't have that same pick ability that Charles Woodson has so to compare the defenses in in that realm or compare players in that realm if you want to go pound for pound I don't man I don't know I don't know if they're that good who is Nick Collins Adrian Amos Darnell Savage Darnell Savage maybe but I don't think he's Nick Collins good. Then your backups, remember, in that secondary, Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, Sam Shields with that incredible speed. Is Stokes that good? Is Russell Douglas that good? I don't know if you could say that. That was a hell of a defense. They weren't the best at stuffing the run, but they were really, really good at putting pressure on quarterbacks, causing them to throw a second or two too early, and then being able to turn the ball over. And they were real good at punching it out, too. But with a speed rusher of Clay Matthews coming off the edge, A.J. Hawk's best year, so I would say Devondre Campbell, an upgrade at the middle linebacking position, yes. Is Preston Smith as good as Clay Matthews? Is Rashawn Gary as good as Clay Matthews playing the outside backer position? That edge rusher? I don't know if I'd go there. I don't know if I, 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 I'd go there. 
And Cheddarball says Jair's a lockdown corner. They don't throw at him. I would agree. So that means, okay, so it, they didn't throw a lot at Charles, but Charles came up with picks. You didn't want to throw at Charles Woodson. But Charles Woodson, if, if you did, he just had a knack for not only reading the football, but grabbing the football. He had good hands. So if you're going to compare lockdown corners, Charles had one of his best seasons ever in a year in which they won the Super Bowl playing for the Packers. That's my comparison, though. You see what I'm saying? 877-867-1670. But this year they want to expound upon turnovers. They were good last year. They weren't great. This year they want to be great. That was one of the emphasis coming into uh, coming into camp when they talked about it uh, quite often, that they were better at it last year. They want to be even better at it this year. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. This portion of the program being brought to you by our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and uh, looking out of them right now. Last night, they kept the, uh, kept the storms out, nice and comfortable in the house, the humidity out of the house. Good stuff. Love those Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin. And right now, whether it's windows, doors, entry systems, you can get four years, no interest financing. I say it again, four years, no interest. Right now at Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin. All you got to do is make a phone call. Make a phone call, say, hey, I want to stop in. I want to check them out. Or get that free in-home consultation. Free in-home consultation. Go to PellaWI.com. That is Pella, P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com. Or call them, 855 855- Pella WI. That's 855 Pella WI. 855 Pella WI. See for yourself. How about, though, if you don't go with the financing, how about going with, uh, you know, 250 bucks off the windows? 400 bucks off the slider windows. They're giving all kinds of deals right now. Again, go to PellaWI.com or call them 855 Pella WI. They will custom measure, custom manufacture. Custom assemble and then custom install with warranty your windows and doors. All that opportunity is right there at your fingertips. Go to PellaWI.com or call them 855-PELLA-WI. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.